All right, are you guys ready? I'm I'm good to go. Oh yeah, let's do what, it. What are we? Which one are we on? Sixteen. 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 Okay. It's version three, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to RCHN V3 EP16. I am your pseudo-host, Rob. Here with me are two others. Who we got here with us? Is that a question? or? <laughs> <laughs> I confused. I got all scared. You had a spooky voice. Yeah, you're scaring me a little bit. Not gonna lie. Do not listen to this episode. Episode okay. 16, The Throwaway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a good name, actually. <laughs> so, what's up, like so what's up, everybody? So yeah, we are uh, winging it. Our uh, commander-in-chief, uh, Capitan Daniel San, is not with us today. He's not feeling well. So I uh, hope you feel better, Dan. Uh, we're going to do the best we can to make a whole bunch of noise for about an hour and a half. And hopefully it's about helicopters. Uh, with us, we've got Scott. Or not, we don't have Scott either. He's not available because his computer took a shit. So it's going to be Nick and Devin here tonight with me. And we are going to uh, start it off. What's up, guys? Hey, what's not up? Much, man. What's going on with you? Not much, man. Just uh, another week in the trenches, in the heli trenches. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, past Thanksgiving. We are... Uh, just on to basically regular weeks. Everybody's probably got their uh, uh, some some of their Black Friday shopping all done. Maybe some other shopping. So now it's uh, I guess this week is just a regular shoot the shit week. We don't really have a topic. We're just going to talk about whatever um, a show about nothing. So who wants to go first? Talk about your week. I can go first, man. All righty. So yeah, so. I- Speaking of Black Friday purchases, I uh, got in my canopy for the Logo 700 and the tail fin and the blades for those. So I got the Logo 700 finished. That was my big thing this week. Uh, and I brought the logo out to the field. So I did get to fly a few times this week. Nice. Um, I flew... Uh, actually, it's been nice. I got a few of the Atlanta Heli crew have gotten out midweek and uh, we've been able to go fly. Uh, I had one day, not the day I made in the logo, but before that, where we were out at the field and a bunch of dirt bikers. There's kind of some trails in the woods on the outside perimeter of the field. And these two dirt bikers rolled up. We were like, oh man, what's this going to be? And they ended up being two dudes who were really interested in what we were doing. And were super impressed with anything, like even the most basic maneuver. They were like, whoa. They were like taking their GoPros (laughs) off of their helmets and filming us flying and made, I don't know, the three of us that were there are good pilots, but not amazing. Um, but they sure made us feel amazing. So that was nice. <laughs> well, Dude, Nick, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That logo also looks amazing. Thank you. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited. It's, that- uh, it's funny. I'm a little sad. Scott, you know, was, was not able to make it, uh, to join us. Um, 
because I went with the Scott Graham maiden approach. It's funny because something about it being a helicopter I didn't really build. So I bought it used and it came mostly assembled. So kind of in sub-assemblies. And, you know, I bought it from Sean Hall, a good friend of mine, and I trust his building immensely. You know, I literally built a helicopter next to him building another one. You know, I've seen him build, so I trust him. So I didn't really do anything. I just tested a lot of things and then slapped the sub-assemblies together. Like the head was together and the tail rotor was together. And I really just kind of yeah, snap bolted tight, these things together. together. Yeah. So I don't know. There was like a lack of emotional investment somehow. So in the Maiden, I basically put it in a hover and I did some pyros and I kind of made sure everything was fine. And then I just went at it and it nice. was freaking amazing. I literally, and it's cool. So in the V control, there's like a profile for the Logo 700 specifically. You just click on that and then do the rest of your setup. And it's spot on, man. Like I literally have not touched the tail gain. I haven't touched the head gains. I mean, I, I basically did the auto optimizers and that was it. It flies freaking fantastic. Dude, that's um, pretty cool. It's just like plug and play almost. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, and I'm sure it probably needs some tuning. I just have been having too much fun with it. And I've only got three, four flights on it at this point. So uh, I need to dig into it a lot further. And I haven't ordered it yet, which I was really hoping to do today. So I could talk about my first auto on a Torque 2 Peli. But it poured all day. It's like 40 degrees and raining all day today. So no joy on the flag today. Um but I got that in the air and I was super, super happy with that. Had a bunch of flights on the Nimbus uh, 550. That's been kind of my practice heli these days. Uh, so I got a bunch of packs through that. And uh, I don't know, just having fun flying with a bunch of the guys. So yeah, that was great. Uh, in some other news, uh, I, I think I spoke about this last week. I'm not sure. But I sold the Futaba 32MZ. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking over Thanksgiving. Um about Futaba as a whole and about the 32MZ and the CGY 760 and kind yeah. of what was going on there. And I just decided that it wasn't that I didn't like Futaba or the Futaba isn't good or you know, just... It was just that the Futaba and the 760 were taking up a lot of my time, right? Like, Yeah, it just didn't seem to cut the mustard the way you wanted it to, for sure. Well, I mean... I'm spoiled by V-Control in that it's the easiest to set up system or one of the easiest on the market for sure. And so the 760 just, I was trying to think of the right words for this. And I think the word that, that resonates the most with me is it's not intuitive to me, right? Like I'm really yeah. good with most radios. I can figure things out. I can dig into the programming. I can kind of self-teach myself a lot. But a lot of the ways Futaba calls things or does things are just not intuitive. Yeah, you have to kind of learn them from brute force. I don't know if that makes sense, but like it you just have to know that you have to go to this place and click this thing. And you would never know that if someone didn't tell you. Um, and, and so it was just taking me a really long time and I wasn't enjoying it. And I was like, this is a hobby. This is supposed to be fun. So why am I doing this? Um, and I was like, I was, I was literally forcing myself to want to get a 760 working on a heli. And I was like, why? Like, why would I do this? So hey, you gave it the good old college try, right? Yeah. And I don't think I gave it enough of a try. So if there's any Futaba guys who are like, dude, you barely gave it a chance. You know what? You're right. Like, I will say it. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, so I am not publicly knocking Futaba. I want to be super clear about that. It is a great system. It is the best system on the market. I think if you're an F3C guy or maybe an F3N guy or precision aerobatics, you know, that type of thing. But it just wasn't for me. Um, you know, me with yeah. two little kids. And the podcast and content stuff for HeliDirect and everything I got going on, I just I just didn't have the time to give it. So yeah, so I, I let that go. 
See, um, so you got the you got a Mikado radio, right? So now you got to get a little one of those little doodads so you can fly the Goose Guy on a radio. Or what are you going to do about that? So yeah, so I did a couple things about that. Uh, one, uh, a used Mini Neo off a of Logo Two Hundred came up for sale on the Hangout, and I snatched that up. Hey, nice. Um, so I got that on its way in the mail. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, but I've been talking with uh, Ian Contessa, which if you don't know Ian, he's this brilliant dude in the UK, and he has a website where he sells charge cases that I highly recommend if you're in Europe. Um, and he makes a bunch of widgets. He 3D printed the uh, connector holders that are in my charge case. So I ordered custom. It holds an IC3 connector and a, a six-cell uh, six balance plug in it. And he made these nice uh, 3D printed, uh, you know, flanged panel mount connector holders for me. Um, and he's just one of those brilliant dudes in the hobby who's just making cool stuff people are using. So he's actually making a circuit board to adapt the Mini Neo to the Goose Guy. So I've been chatting with him. And when he's got one of those ready, I'm going to order one of those and give that a try, I think. Um, yeah, I've seen people do that. That looks like it'll be kind of fun. I would assume that since um, people have that on like a Logo 200 and other things that there's probably even like, because um, you were talking about how you can kind of pick a particular heli size or just whatever and then tune from there. There's probably something you can snap right in that'll almost work right out of the box, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would think I could pretty much grab the Logo 200 profile that's in there and start there and then yeah. tune. But I also, I also kind of have all the electronics sitting here for a, uh, like a 380 size helicopter. So I may yeah. see if I can pick up either a used Protos 380 or just pick up a cheap kit. And, and maybe play with that because I have the motor and the speed control and the servos like all that's sitting here. I've yeah. kind of picked it up slowly used almost thinking I'd get a 380 at some point. So I don't know. I might put the Mini Neo in that. So I took some of the money from selling the 32MZ and I actually bought an FR Sky X20 which is oh. uh, uh, a great little inexpensive transmitter um, that's extremely powerful. It runs the Ethos platform or software uh, right out of the gate, although I'm pretty sure you could install OpenTX on it or HDX as well. I'm not sure on that little fuzzy, but plan to, to dig into that. But that radio, I ordered a, a multi-protocol module for it um, so that I can set it to Futaba because my LMP and my Goose Guy all have Futaba receivers in them. So yeah, yeah. this radio will take over those duties. So all of the micro helis, some of the stuff I'm testing for HeliDirect, like all of that, you know, having a multi-protocol radio is, is kind of important for me. So yeah, that's key. Um, dude, that'll fill the void the Futaba was filling uh, with that yeah, stuff. For sure. And for much less money too. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I can literally buy the X20, order the new V control and a Neo and still have money left over from selling the 32 MZ. So, yeah. For <laughs> which sure. is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Or go buy yourself a four wheeler or a snowmobile or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that much. <laughs> Uh, but that's kind of it for me, man. It's been a good week. Uh, been enjoying being home man. taking advantage of sneaking out to fly when I can, uh, with some local guys here nice. and, uh, just having a good time. Uh, what about you, uh, Robin Devin? Who's next? Uh, I'll go next. Do it. So now. this week I did not fly personally. My dad flew. I did not fly. Funny no story. No fly for Devin. Exactly. No fly for me. But we did have some orders come in that we had picked up from last week. I'm pretty sure we ordered everything. So we got some stuff from Keith Williams, uh, a handle for the, the Jersey modeler jug. I got one of those and we got 
the starter adapter to run the DeWalt batteries for my Dynatron starter. So I got that put on today after I got home from work. Nice. And that thing is really cool. Dude, that's nice. cool. So you can just just take the battery, just plop, just pop it in like your drill? Yeah, sa- same exact connector, everything. It just don't yeah. have to touch anything with the battery. Just a generic battery that has that receptacle. Boom, you're good. That, that's can cool. I ask a, a stupid nitro question? Okay. Like, why don't you just use a cordless screw gun with the right bit in it to start your motor? It's not fast enough. Is that what it is? They do have to spin pretty fast, yeah. But also, some screw uh, screw guns have, uh, depending on the variety, have a jackhammer in them and well as well. And that's I personally don't refuse to put any jackhammer stuff because it's yeah, like a hammer drill. Yeah, a hammer drill, anything like that. But I mean, I imagine you probably could use a cordless. I have seen people do it. But yeah, I've seen people do it too. I personally just use the Dynatron because, you know, it's especially with on the East Coast here where we fly, usually everyone usually has a Dynatron, but only one person brings out the starter and everyone else uses it. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's usually whoever brings out the starter first, that's the designated starter for that station and it stays there all the time. See, Devin, see now what you got to do is you got to bring your starter but you got to fuck with everybody, leave the starter at the station, but without the battery in it. And then whenever somebody wants to start their thing, they come up and they can't start it. They got to come find you and like ask you for the battery. Yeah, exactly. Be like one dollar. Yeah, I could charge it. I could, be, I could make some money off of this. <laughs> no, so that was really good. And then my dad may have ordered a new kit for himself, actually. Ah, another new oh. bird. What do you get? Uh, so... Kind of new. He's taken one of my helis, my nitroxy, and he converted it to a gas. The Carrie uh, Shirley JD design or JC so a, design. So from a nitroxy to a goxy. To a, that's that sounds really the bad. Goxy. Gas <laughs> oxy. The gas oxy. So um, how does this work? Like, does he ask you, or did you just go to work one day and you were like, "Hey, that's not a nitro engine. What is that?" no he told me he wanted to do it and i have two nitros and i was like go ahead nitro is so expensive nowadays to have two i only ever fly one at a time too so that gives me two spare motors in case i start blowing up motors too well there you go so it's a win-win but no he uh he was really been he's been eyeballing this for like the past couple weeks and he's been on the fence about it where he's gonna like to get another kit and i was like just use mine. You know, just use mine. He asked, I'm like, yeah, yeah. just use it. Go ahead. And he got Aww. so, ex- he's so excited. He was like, you know, like a kid when it showed up, he was so happy. Put it, put it together the day that it showed up. It was done that night. <laughs> nice. He's just going to town. So yeah. what size motor does that use? Cause it, it's not going to be like the, what are they? The OBR three tens or whatever in the big no, ones. No, it is not. It is an OS GT 15. So it's a 15 CC. Do you like how I pretended I know what I'm talking about there for a second? <laughs> it, you, it almost worked. It almost worked. But yeah, no, it uses the OS gas motor. Right on. Cool. Yeah. So he's super excited about that. He went to fly it, but the uh, motor's been sitting a little bit. So all the seals and the motors are dried out and dried rotted. So it wouldn't pull any fuel. So he had to get a rebuild kit for the carb. 
So he's waiting for that and he's just, you could see him itching on the inside. He's like, ooh, I really want to fly this. Uh, yeah, got to hear it. Got to get in there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he's really excited for that. I, I picked up some new blades as well for the Nick Maxwell Edition Gasser. Oh, what are you nice. going to put on it? I uh, got Azure 700s. Nice. Going to give Wh- those a shot. Which one? Like the standard or the orange ones? No, the standards. Yeah, not the new S ones or not the new S blades, the standard red ones. Yeah. So I'm going to try those on the gasser because I've been hearing really good things about the performance on the gasser. So I'm excited to try that out. Nice. Built a new, uh, built some new benches in the back. Um, so my basement, we have like the basement door where we walk in and then you, there's a back two back rooms where it goes to underground or into our house because our house is built on like the side of a mountain and I keep all my blades and like tail booms hung up on the wall or used to in that back room and we built some new benches to give ourselves some more storage so I was able to hang all my blades from there and get them out of the way so they don't hit you in the face and it came out great nice so that was awesome so it gave me a lot more storage, and I filled it up about an hour after we finished it. So that was great. Almost the way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great, more storage. This is going to be great. It's going to, boom, full. Well, that lasted a long time. Now you just got to build more, see? Ex- right? Just expand the house for just the hobby side of the house. Just yeah. make the hobby side bigger. <laughs> yeah, just blast into the mountains some more. Nobody will notice. No, nobody will notice. What's that explosion? Nothing, nothing. Ignore it. Keep going about your day. It's fine. Yeah, it, you're good. What's that landslide? Nothing. It's good. <laughs> um, but I also got parts for my Oxy 2 as well. I have an Oxy 2 that I'm building, an Oxy 2 SH. Hey, so, fun. Yeah. I got the one-way system for it, so I got to install that. So it has a one-way now. You'll have to tell me how you like that, because I got one sitting in the bag up here. I haven't installed it yet, just because I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to use it. But even just like the low, like knee-high flop, you know, float downs are enough to have it, I would think. You know, because I know without it, it doesn't, it won't even do that at the knee. For me, I can't make it auto down from there, you know? Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think the biggest thing with the one-way on the Oxy 2 is just to help smoothen things out. So you don't have, you're not fighting against the motor on yeah. certain parts to just help smooth out the drive ta- drivetrain. Yeah, but, like in flight, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we're going to get that installed. I ordered servos for it as well. Going to get those in. I got batteries waiting for those to show up. I ordered a bunch of batteries. Fun. Yeah, real fun. Especially when you get the bill. <laughs> you said a bunch of batteries. So what is the what is this quantity? I ordered like probably seven or eight batteries oh yeah that's that's a pretty that's not a pretty penny yeah. all for that all the oxy two so what did you get like eight fifties or what are you running yeah thousands? so i got thousands yeah uh, thousands. what are they four s thousand milliamp batteries i got two of them nice. and then i got some life batteries because i figured out maniacs also makes uh life 6.6 volts hey oh that's cool i didn't know that yes and they're what are they? The dimensions are very close to the batteries that I run on the jet side. So I started switching over my jets to the Maniacs batteries as well. Yeah, nice. 
So I did that. I got my dad a couple of two S five thousands or and three S five thousands again for the jet side. Right. And but that was basically it on the battery side for that. That's what I ordered for that. But I do got Oxy two batteries coming, so hopefully I get everything shown up by by the time this episode comes out this week. And I can get a nice little flight video in the front yard with the Oxy two. Yeah, fun. That'll be fun Hell to watch, yeah. dude. Yeah, those things are fun to fly. I dig mine. I loved. I've I've flown a lot of them, like other people's, uh, or doing a demo, and I don't have one, so we just grab one from one of the other rep guys that aren't flying. And I've flown a lot of them, and they do fly really good. I yeah. I really love them. It just flies great. Yeah. So I'm really excited to get this flying, get it going. Nice. Is that you got know? the stock motor in it? You're running four cell on there. Yes. Uh, yeah. it's right. ru- I'm running four cell. Yes, four. Yeah, four cell. Think so. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I ordered. It's got the 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 Lynx motor. Yeah, the the, it, the little bit bigger one, the newer edition one, not the uh the little bit older one. Because yeah. I think we did two. We had a little bit older one when the the Oxy two came out, and then when we did the two SH, we also revamped the motor a little bit. So I have that newer style motor. And then I got a Hobby Wing, was it 25 amp? I think it is. I think it Word. is a 20, I think 25 amp. And then I got some KST servos for it. Fun. That'll I'm be a fun build for to build for sure, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's actually already almost all together. It's just I've been waiting for electronics. Yeah, nice. Speaking of small oxys, that's actually something. You know, like I said, I have the electronics for a 380 sized. And what, yeah. what's like the. Oxy equivalent of a 380. Maybe I should consider that too. The Oxy, Oxy 4 Max. 4 oh, Max is 4 a 380. Max. Okay. Yeah, that's a Swing's 380 blades. Cool. I, I may hit you up with the motor I have and tell me if it'll work. Oh, yeah. For sure. I'll let you know. 6S all the way. Flies great on 6S. Nice. Yeah, but that's basically been my heli week. And what about you, Rob? What do you got cooking? Um, I'm a lot, a little of the same shit, I suppose. Um, Got some uh, flights out with the big helicopters, uh, just flying in my yard because it's been so cold and uh, I don't feel like lugging everything out to um, the park and sitting out there in my truck in between flights and shit. So uh, my kitchen is right off my backyard, so I'll just sit at my kitchen table and swap packs and then go back out and stuff. So uh, just been trying to do that. It's freaking cold as shit up here, though. Like today, it's it was like... 18 or 20 or something like that. Yesterday it was 30, but or 36 or 34 or something, but it was like 20 mile an hour wind almost. So it's like, you know, I can't really. So anyway, the weather has been kind of shitty. Um, but in between, you know, uh, bad weather stints, I've been trying to get out with the T-Rex 600 and the uh, Goblin 570 just to, just to get stick time, you know, and practice just because whatever, man, we like flying these things. But um, I have been flying in the basement, too, with the little Oxy-2 as well, doing orientation training down there still. Um, I'm to where I can, I can sit at uh, three-quarters nose in, you know, like in between nose in and to the side uh, in both directions. Um, but I'm, trying not, I'm not trying to push my luck down there because, I mean, I've got the parts to fix it, but nobody likes to repair some shit if they don't have to, right? So, um, I'll practice my nose in outside still, but um, I still have these little short ass blades on here too. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know why it's fun, but 
I'm having fun doing this flatland shit with this little oxy. Devin, you got to try it with yours and tell me if if you like it. I don't know. You probably do that with other at least do whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just something different to do. And so I still, I don't know. I'm still trying it. I'm, I'm just going to leave these short blades because mine stretch for the 210 blades or whatever. But I've got these little 190s on here still. Um, it doesn't fly as well. I mean, it flies okay, but not like I can tell a huge difference. I mean, I can sort of tell, but um, getting brave enough to do circuits with my shitty ass little MCPX, and um, I did a little fiddling with that little guy, and it's flying a little tighter now. You know how those things kind of loosen themselves up pretty quick, you know? Um, but it used to like sway around and move around all the time because the gears were, the main gear was loose and the 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 head uh, the the grips were just a little bit loose so there was all this slop everywhere and stuff but so I dialed a little of that stuff out and so now I, I annoy my kids sometimes just pack after pack in the evening after they go upstairs to chill before bed but I I don't know I'm having fun with it um, I uh, my uh, hobby wing eighty amp came in the mail the one I got for myself for my birthday um, and just actually finished installing it right before. Uh, we started recording this episode and did not let the magic smoke out, which is a good thing. Um, so hopefully when I get it outside to actually do its maiden with the speed controller on there, um, it all works out fine. So I don't know this, you know, this one doesn't have like, um, the, uh, you know, like the, um, uh, the brain too has got, um, a governor built into it. Right. So the, um, oxy and the, uh, goblin both have i'm doing i control the governor from in there but on this the t-rex 500 i'm going to be tuning the happen to tune the governor right in the speed control so i don't know i've never really had to do that before actually because back when we used to fly back in the day like the onboard governors were kind of shitty so i don't know there was still a lot of like flat throttle curve action or v curve going on back then so I don't know, man. I might have some questions for you guys about this whole P and I gain action on the governor. And if I even have, I, who knows? I might not even have to fuck with it. We'll see. But, uh, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing, um, in the heli world. Um, glad to finally get the T-Rex 500 back up. It's just had this screwed up gremlin, you know, where it would start to glitch out. And I'm hopeful that the speed controller will fix it because now it's, I've pretty much replaced all the components except the servos on the thing um, and the beast stacks, I guess. And I guess it could be one of those too, but um, I don't know. Yeah, so. yeah, no, Rob, the Hobby Wing governor is actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You, should, yeah, okay. yeah. you shouldn't have little, that much issues with it at all. Good. Okay. Well, I got the little LCD programmer in case I need to fuck with it, but I don't know. Judging by the amount of like there's not like a shit ton of info out there like troubleshooting this or if you can't make this work right with this with the hobby wing so that tells me like what you're saying that there's they just kind of work so that's yeah that's i mean as long as you do that like 50 percent initial spool up thing yeah uh, yeah we let, let it just sit. sit at zero pitch for 30 seconds i don't know i haven't ever touched mine again after that they work great me neither yeah just to do the initial that's for calibrating the esc that 50 percent. you just do yeah. that and Never yeah. have to touch it again. That's where we're doing Governor Store, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Governor Store mode. Governor Elf mode will do it every time. Isn't that right? It yeah, that's what I hear. I've never tried it, but yeah. Uh, okay. I, I've never messed with that on the Elf mode. Just Store. 
and yeah. say see you later. Well, I mean, it is the Christmas season, but I don't think you need elf mode. <laughs> I don't know. I've so, seen some evil elves out there. Rob, you one of them? <laughs> no. So it's stock on elf mode and I left it, but everywhere everywhere else I've seen people talk about store mode. So when I get the blades on it, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do what you guys are saying and go because I've watched videos on this that deal. You just set your pitch curve to flat zero and just let it sit there for 30 seconds. And then after that, you can just you unplug it and then plug it back in and you're good. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, set your throttle endpoints ahead of that and then do that and you're good. Sweet. And then easy, I never touch easy. it again. I've never touched the governor gains. I mean, maybe okay. there's some bonus if I do, but I haven't felt the need to. Yeah. I suppose we probably don't smack on it hard enough for the motor to need to adjust so fast. Yeah. Either. That's the other part of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not good enough to need Governor Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> Devin over there has probably got his gains turned way the fuck up. No. <laughs> no, I really don't I really don't end up messing with them that much. Not Governor no. Gaines. No. No. Cool. All right, good. Well then I don't have to worry about it because I was making a mountain out of a molehill, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, Devin, you, you just go to the governor settings and then you right where it has head speed, you click the box that says all. All of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it when it says beans, just put most most beans. Most beans, exactly. Yeah, yeah. chilling the most beans. It loves it. Give it all the beans, you know. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Wait. it sounds like you had a really good week, though. Practicing yeah. a lot, I hear. Yeah, yeah, dude. Practicing a lot. It's just a lot more comfortable in the air. I there's still a a big gap between the my confidence on the sim and my confidence. Uh, you know, in the air in analog or whatever, but it's, I'm getting there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I still have that goal, dude. I, I want by next summer or, you know, whenever we all can get together, I want to be able to like fly good enough to be able to do like demo quality flight. I just don't want to be just back and forth. I mean, no offense, Dan, you know, flying, flying low and slow is cool, but I want to learn how to do the other stuff too. And I'm challenging myself to get there and I think I'll get there. Well, the good thing is, is you're retracing your steps, which will help a lot in that process of coming back up, make it a lot easier on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But that sounds awesome. Is that it for your news this week, Rob? Yeah, that's, that's all. That's my story. Oh, your story. Yeah. 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 Story. Your story. That's, that's Rob's news this week. That Mm -hmm. was, that's That's all I got. Everyone was pretty busy this week, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Word. But that sounds pretty good. I guess we're ready to roll into the news then. Yeah, we got some. The news. There's that trailing grunt that I look forward to every week. Yeah, you can hear him gurgle on his spit at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, I just drooled on my mic. All right, let's dig into some news this week. Uh, First up this week is uh, XL Power. So they've been teasing the release of a Nitro version of the Spectre V2. Uh, No release date announced of yet, but uh, this is kind of the first time XL Power has acknowledged the existence of it. Uh, you know, a few folks have seen Nick Maxwell flying the Spectre Nitro uh, at a few fun flights this year. I'm not sure if they're actually going to call it the Spectre Nitro or the Spectro yeah. or the 
NME, the Spike Spectre Nitro. I think it has the Nick Maxwell head and tail, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that to be true. But they've been releasing some, uh, you know, tease videos of it. Uh, there's a video of Nick Maxwell just beating the living uh, uh, bejesus out of it in his backyard, you know, doing like 100 consecutive TikToks um on some pretty heavy blades you know it's basically yeah. some teaser videos of him just you know doing some of the testing on it so like trying to break shit it's like it's not breaking okay yeah <laughs> you know and he even made a couple of comments about just getting like he did so many tiktoks in a row without it bogging or dying and, and for the record he had his new uh dual glow plug head on the motor as well as part of that testing um anyway yeah. he said yeah. he was basically got bored because he just couldn't get it to bog so um I know a lot of folks are looking forward to that. So that uh, release is something to keep an eye on. We'll see more about that in the very near future. Uh, and while we're talking about XL Power and the behind the build video, uh, actually, I should say, sorry, let me back that up. While we're talking about XL Power and Nick Maxwell, uh, HeliDirect has begun teasing as well as Nick their behind the build video. Um, and this was that thing I was talking about working on with Nick Maxwell and, uh, and Sean Hall. Uh, a month or two ago. Um, but now we're kind of letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, he did appear recently on the Freefall RC podcast and talked about it a little bit. But essentially, the behind the build video is a video that Sean and I filmed in Nick's workshop over uh, about two and a half days uh, with Nick, where he builds from scratch, bone uh, stock out of the box, uh, Spectre Nick Maxwell edition, and basically takes you through the entire build. But it's not meant to be a Spectre enemy build video, right? It's meant to be a, a masterclass in building where he shares all of the, you know, tips, tricks, techniques that he uses to build a helicopter that holds up to the beatings and the extremely high flight count that he does every year. Uh, you know, all the demands of his high head speed competition work. Um, and, and really just sort of shares all of the tips that were passed on to him over the years by some of the heli masters, you know, he learned from, um, and I don't want to give anything away here, uh, but the video will be for sale on the HeliDirect website. Uh, there's talk, and none of this is official yet. It'll probably be purchasable as a DVD, as well as to be able to stream from online. It will be for purchase only. Um, but I got to say, sitting there, it was really funny because I was trying to concentrate because I'm switching cameras and doing some live editing and, and really trying to like have my work brain on. But I'm also like getting lost in the content. Like he's sharing so many tips and there were so many moments I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is awesome. Like I never would have thought of this as such a simple tip, but you'd never think of it on your own. And then when you hear it, you're like, oh, I'm totally going to adopt this through all my builds. What was that tip and the other tip and those other ones? Oh, wait, you can't tell us because we got to get the master. (laughs) I can't. I will (laughs) tell you, we're going to have Nick Maxwell on the show uh, a little closer to the release date, which... Uh, no official date set by HeliDirect yet, but sometime in December is about all I can share at this point. Should be very soon. Uh, we're just finishing up the platform uh, for the streaming side, uh, and then it will be ready for release. So we'll have Nick on the show. We'll let him talk about it a little further. Maybe he'll share a tip or two uh, from the video, but uh, definitely look for that soon. Might make a nice, uh, inexpensive Christmas gift. Yes, um, a self-gift is on throw the way. on your list, exactly. either for yourself or your buddies. Um or just something inexpensive to fool our spouses into thinking what a cheap hobby this is. Nick, I'm going to get it for you. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. But I actually have a hard drive with all the road footage sitting here at my house, which I'll tell you, through a few builds I've done, I've gone back and watched chunks of it because it was so good. Um, just to kind of remind me of it. So definitely look for Lucky. that. Lucky. 
That's cheating. That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, I filmed it. I have the footage. Why is it not fair? Dude, I know. That, that sounds really interesting. I got to say that, though, because I'm always a fan of that kind of content. You know what I mean? Because it seems like that's, that's kind of like when you go and you buy the... Uh, maybe it's not quite like the same as when you go buy the manual for your vehicle because you're just going to lock in. It's one thing to go and just Google search uh, and or YouTube search a video on how to do a particular thing. But to be able to pull off your shelf like a repository, like a curated piece of, of knowledge or, or like these tips and things like that. I think that's neat. You know what I mean? So I'm going to buy one just if anything, just for that, that concept. You know what I mean? Like having a like having a book on RC helicopter theory or something, you know? Yeah. And we tried to do it with a very high production value. You know, we brought a lot of cameras, a lot of lights, you know, much better audio. You know, this is not your self-shot YouTuber deal. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully that comes true um, in terms of the production value, you know, meets everyone's expectations. So uh, we certainly put a lot of work into it. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty proud of it, honestly. Not that I did any of the content, but just in the execution of it. Uh, and it was cool. a ton of fun to work on. Um, really enjoyed spending that time with Nick as well. But we'll talk about that more when we have him on the show. All right. So speaking of teasing, to go back to the Spectre Nitro for a second, uh, Goose Guy, who is a maker of the popular micro heli, the S2 Legend, is now teasing another helicopter to be released this December. Uh, they released a flight video of this uh, helicopter. So it's definitely an electric powered. It's definitely micro. It's flying indoors in kind of a big lobby space and then outdoors in a small parking lot at night. Um really hard to determine the scale or any details um i tried to get some info on this helicopter but everyone's lips are sealed at this point they're keeping it a pretty closely guarded secret i'm gonna guess these are 100 guesses don't quote me on this i think it's gonna be maybe 300 ish so a little bigger than the s2 i think it's direct drive with a motorized tail i was literally freezing frames of the video today and was trying to zoom in and look at the boom. I couldn't see a push rod. That doesn't mean it was there. You know, the heli's not kind of filling the frame of the video. So it's a little grainy when you zoom in. So it could be a belted tail. I don't know. No real details out yet. Goose Guy's certainly very excited about it. Um, so look for information and the release of that helicopter sometime this December. That's kind of right. cool. So a, a th another 300, 380 maybe, huh? Maybe 300, maybe 380. I don't know. Um... I'll, you know, all I know is Goose Guy's supposed to be working on a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, you know, we'll probably see more than one release from them, I think, from the rumors I'm hearing. But again, all rumor. Don't know anything for sure. Don't even know the size. But it definitely looked at least as big as the S2. I don't think it's going to be smaller. Word. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I've really enjoyed the S2. So we'll see what they come up with. I want them to make a Goose Guy S1. Yeah, that would be yeah, cool. Dude. That would be um, kind of neat, man. Yeah. I would like that. I'd love to see competition for the 420, right? So if Rotortech and these people are making blades for the 420, if we get another helicopter in that size from another yeah. manufacturer, that just gives more people motivation to innovate in that size. Yeah, um, that so would be cool too. That could be cool. Yeah. For all I know, Goose Guy is doing a 420, and that's why Rotortech was like, oh, we got Goose Guy, we got SAB. I don't know. I'm just well, guessing. And if somebody else comes out with another heli of that size that's direct drive, enter into the whole equation uh motor competition then oh. people can start competing and for motor quality and power and we can get good um you know people will develop that whole technology and and just that'll get better across the board too so that's a good thing 
actually speaking of motors, I f- forgot to put this in the news. Um, but uh, if I can mention something I'm working on again here, uh, which I can because I'm doing the news. Um, there's a video that will be released on the HeliDirect YouTube channel this week that uh, just tells you how to change the shaft on an EcoDrift motor, which honestly I think will cover most manufacturers of brushless motors. You know, just it's a yeah. basic video that just sort of tells you how to press the shaft out, how to put the new shaft in, how to change the bearings, uh, put the whole thing back together. Uh, so fairly straightforward, but if you've never changed a shaft in a motor before, hopefully it'll give you the confidence in how to do that yourself. Yeah, that'll be cool, man. I'm sure there's probably a, a good percentage of people out there that are intimidated by that. And then they get a motor that's vibrating and they just trash it and get a new one and spend all that money and they could just buy a shaft if they knew how to do it. So cool. That's cool. There's a video like that out there. So, we'll Well, that's where I got it. So it, it, to some extent, it's a little bit of the blind leading the blind because um, <laughs> I had never done it and I had the motor size I needed for the Logo 700, but I had the wrong length shaft and I needed the longer shaft. Oh, so yeah. I reached out to Vincent and EgoDrift and a bunch of the team members and I asked a lot of people a lot of questions as to how you change the shaft. And then I taught myself how to do it. And then I made the video on how to do it because I was like, this is really easy. And I was really intimidated by it and I shouldn't have been. So I'll just make a video so people can see what it involves and then they won't be afraid to do it. Were you really able to handle that shaft? Oh, yes. He oh, made yeah? it longer. He obviously did it right. You got a longer shaft? I do. Tell me how you did it. <laughs> Hell no. Wow. Some secrets I can't share. Lots, Trade of, secret. lube. lots of lube and lots of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you got to press real hard. Yeah, squeeze. All right. On that note, the moral compass is kicking in here. Uh, all right, let's talk about SAB because I can't have a week without that. Uh, so SAB Heli Division has announced three new canopy and boom combos, uh, all in the same sort of orange and white scheme. Uh, we're going to call it the orange creamsicle look. Uh, these are going to be for the raw 420, raw 580 electric, and the raw 700. Now, presumably, you could fit this to the 580 nitro if you're not afraid to just make a few cutouts in the canopy for the pipe and whatnot. Um, these initially are only going to be released in kit form. So it's a full raw 580 kit, raw 700 kit, you know, the whole helicopter. Um, but obviously, they're going to have to release them as spare parts. So eventually you'll be able to order them separately. So it's a, an orange and white boom, and then a nice sort of white base, orange highlight uh, scheme for the canopy, and then new side frame stickers as well. Um, I really like it, I got to say. I'm kind of considering yeah. Um, if I crash again on the 580, maybe I'll replace it and head this way. Kind of like Sherbert. Yeah, it's kind of like Sherbert. A little orange cream skull. Yeah, um, for sure. But certainly in the fall, it's a nice, you know, it's, it's funny flying at Atlanta RC in my local club here. There's a, a really tall tree line in the background. And in the fall, when the trees aren't green and they start kind of leaves falling and, and stuff changing, a lot of helicopters disappear against it. So oh, I uh, hate the that. orange schemes are really popping well. Like my logo with the new orange canopy is fantastic. And my Nimbus bet. with the red and yellow is great. But my white alleys against kind of the tree, uh, the leafless trees is a little hard. Yeah, so. you're going to crash that stormtrooper. You're not careful man. <laughs> against the gray sky and the yeah. white snow and shit. I baby that thing. I, I love it so much. I'm not going to. I don't know. You just and Nick just brings that thing to the field and lets it watch the other helis fly. I just hover. <laughs> <laughs> I just hover with a giant grin on my face. There you go. Oh, oh that's all right. Um, 
All right, let's talk about our news of the week. Uh, this week's big news is, is not really all that uh, hard to figure out. It's totally predictable, in fact. Uh, it's just a trend I've seen happening online. So a lot of folks saw this coming and said we would start to see it. And in fact, they were right. So we're now starting to see a lot of V-Control touches and Neo FBLs come up for sale uh, in much larger numbers than we've seen all year. So there were a lot of us that were like, holding onto our V-Control touches like, you know, I'm never going to let this go and we're scared to death. We're going to accidentally knock it off the counter or something would happen to it because they were just completely unavailable. But as Mikado is becoming more and more confident with release dates and we're starting to see pre-orders show up, um, folks are starting to sell them. So if you're in the market for a V-Control touch or a Neo FBL, you know, now is a good time to purchase them. They're kind of starting right now, sort of at the same pricing we'd seen them on pre-unavailable. The kind of at regular use prices that we'd be worth. But I think uh, once the pre-release launches in January, we'll probably see these things come down. So I think the V-Control Touches will probably come down to closer to $1,000. You know, Neos with Pro will probably come down to around 200 bucks shipped uh, versus 250 which is kind of the standard right now. Um so if you're in the market for a Neo or a V-Control Touch and you're not interested in the latest and greatest, you know, now in the next month or so is going to be a great time to snatch one up. Um, and just a word of advice, always don't forget to check your seller's references, protect yourself with tools like PayPal or similar buyer protection, and make sure you know who you're buying from. But uh, if you're in the market for a Touch or a Neo, uh, now is a great time to think about it. I just picked mine up myself. There's some, some jackass on this uh, podcast. What's his name? Uh, Scott, uh, Scott, somebody or other. Some weird uh, car guy. He's not here, so we're just going to call him the fuck. Um, he's having technical difficulties this evening. But yeah, actually, Scott is being smart. He's selling off all his Neos to get ready for the new generation coming out. But uh, I needed a Neo for my logo, so I stole one from him for a steal. So definitely look for those. Uh, with that, that's all I got for news. Anybody else got anything? I heard Good this. Uh, I heard uh, of... Uh, there's a new product that guy's trying to get a GoFundMe going, and it's a flexible, like a rubber tail. Apparently, it's supposed to be like wicked awesome for reversals and like snap turns and stuff like that. Um, so he's trying to raise some money so he can make this uh, uh, the whip tail. Um, I saw a picture online of like a, a must have been like a early early version and it just looked like somebody crashed and was a scorpion touching the head so hopefully it works out the kinks and we'll see what happens some kinks to work out then if it was a scorpion right yeah yeah some, some crazy yeah. kinky tail whip action it'll be fun in tiktok so they got to get that rubber to the point where you can tiktok without it quite hitting the rotor yeah, yeah right? without it quite brain, brain, but you brain, can brain. like barely see between it so it looks really cool you know <laughs> i think it should just flex side to side so you can like yeah. slap the canopy with the tail and it flings back but it won't hit the rotor yeah, yeah that'd be sure. pretty cool although if it flexed up and down <laughs> you could make it do like you know with the pencil when you were in school and you would do the oh, real yeah. wobbly yeah. thing oh, that'd be yeah, pretty yeah. good yeah the bobble tail just boing 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 oh that's awesome Imagine trying to do F3C with that and the tail is just like sagging down and just bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> the whole heli shaking <laughs> as you're going. Right, right. Oh, that's it. More of the news this week. As 
as you know, Dan's not with us this week. Uh, Scott wasn't able to join. Uh, so Devin, Rob, and I are, are just going to kind of chat through a few things at this point. We're going to have a little bit of a shoot the bull episode this week. But one of the things we started to talk about uh, as we were starting to uh, get ready to record this evening um, was radios, right? So as I mentioned, you know, I'm moving away from Futaba. And I think we might spend a little time, just a little bit, talking about some of the options and choices in this sort of open TX platform, you know, Edge TX, uh, Ethos, you know, some of the less expensive radios that are available as choices and what kind of some of the pros and cons of them are. Um, and some choices, and I, and I think some people give them an unfair rep. Like one of the interesting things I learned, and I think we're going to hear Devin talk about tonight, is he actually uses some of the FR Sky transmitters and his jets. And as we all know, jets are an incredibly expensive platform. <laughs> yeah, certainly something you want to protect with a really damn good radio. Uh, yeah, and you know the FR Sky receivers can run both 900 megahertz and 2.4 megahertz as well. So it's actually dual band. Yeah, so some of them are. Yeah, two different types. Yeah, exactly. Not all. Um, two different types of frequencies that you're transmitting that they can receive. It's kind of a primary and a backup uh, running redundantly at the same time. So super reliable, great for, you know, sailplanes, you know, maybe flying at higher elevations or, you know, jets flying way out, especially the bigger ones. Uh, so, so there's some, there's some cool choices there. And, and I think as a hobby, we give them kind of an unfair, fair knock. You know, there's a lot of us who can be a little elitist and be like, Oh, it's V control or it's Futaba and those are the two choices. And anybody else, you know, if you're running Spectrum with Icon, you know, you're borderline. And if you're flying a Radio Master TX-16, you know, you're in this weird, you know, whatever. But yeah. I think, you know, I think these new uh, open source FBLs in development right now, you know, really might open up a lot of options with some of these, these cheaper radios um, and really make them compete. Yep. Uh, with some of the bigger stuff. I don't know. We're, we're, we're just kind of starting to dig into this, but, but Rob, I'm sure you have some thoughts to share. Dude, I totally agree. You know, I, my, I mean, okay. So I know like you, for instance, you talked about, you picked up, um, the X10. That's the one you got, right? The X10, um, uh, X20. Yeah. Or the X20. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, you did that as a choice, you know, as a, um, design choice for how you're setting up and, and designing your radio link for your smaller helis and what you chose. It was an option you decided to go with. Right. But for me, and I think like a, a large, larger portion of the hobby than people would like to admit, um, I ended up buying the radio that I bought. I, I run the radio Maxter uh, TX 16 S it was simply a financial thing. It was getting to the point where radios, high you know high value radios were getting so expensive that I, I wasn't able to see myself into spending five ninety nine, six ninety nine, nine ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine for a radio to fly my toy around in the air. You know, um bef- previous to this, all the spectrum like I've got a Spectrum DX eight sitting here. Um that when it was new it was fairly pricey, but I got it used, you know, second hand, and that's the only reason that I had it. Um, but you know, you fast forward to now, one of the big things about back then, there wasn't anything else at all. It was the big box radio manufacturers, Spectrum, Futaba, even back then Mikado wasn't even making their own radio link yet. Right. 
So you had to buy one of those radios or you had to wait in line for somebody else that was upgrading to buy it cheaper. But when you fast forward to today, and when I got back into the hobby in general, it was with drones, right? And I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to see what I can do and uh, with what I have. And I started on my DX8 and a Spectrum satellite that I had and started building that way. But very quickly, I realized that there was a lot of other options that I could buy new by choice um, for much less than I could have bought new even 10 years before that, right? Um, and enter in, you know, buy in this Radio Master TX16S. When I bought it, it was, uh, I think, 169 or something like that. Um, and, you know, I think, Nick, you mentioned the uh, open source uh, kind of movement, right? Dude, I think that that spawning itself into existence and a bunch of people in all kinds of walks of life, not just the RC world, just everywhere, decided to get together and offer of themselves freely their knowledge for some other pet project is an awesome thing to exist in the world. And the internet allows us to do that, right? And so for for something like the Radio Master TX16S, at that point then, it's just a matter of sourcing the hardware. And um, the software itself is, I, I, my personal opinion is it's it's super competitive, right? Um, and I'm not going to include Mikado's solution in this because that's a super tight knit ecosystem and it's very specialized. You can't fly anything else on that radio. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but for what it is, it, I think it just brings the maximum amount of joy and flexibility, at least in my universe, uh, to go with something like that. Right. If Mikado was to cre make a uh, module or something, that would probably, uh, you know what, to be honest, I don't think it would really hurt their radio sales that much. But I don't think that, I think that the way their ecosystem is built, there's not going to be another radio that has the appropriate programming to actually run their, their fly barless unit, right? So they're going to have to just leave it that way, maybe. I don't know, but I don't know, man. I'm kind of, you can hear me just kind of, going on and gushing about the whole thing, but you can kind of tell my opinion, dude, I am all for it. And, you know, this edge TX movement taking over what open, open TX just kind of left to the sidelines. It, dude, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like night and day compared to anything else I had used before that, you know, and it's ironic because I see other big box radio manufacturers starting to add touch and starting to add some, some of these other visual components to make it more you make the ui more i don't know how to explain it more 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 techy more just more better right easier to yeah. use and all of that right and maybe it's just because of my perspective i feel like the big box manufacturers are paying attention and they're starting to do some of the same things because they have to right oh yeah yeah there's no doubt that they're seeing some of the features yeah in open tx edge tx and the community as well, which I want to I want to get to uh, in a minute. But you just brought up kind of an interesting point, Rob. I kind of want to put you on the spot here. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about the difference between Open TX and Edge TX? I know you don't know a yeah. lot about Ethos uh, from our conversation earlier today, but yeah. what's the difference between Open TX and Edge TX, which is the software run on some of these open source radios? Okay, so I'm going to give you the five mile up flyover, right? 
So essentially, OpenTX, as it was, was an open source um, kind of a solution that was uh, created, but it's just kind of went stale. The devs that were working on it, um, their milestones started becoming very, very few and far between. So we stopped seeing good new features. There was this, uh, for a period of time, there was a little hullabaloo about um, whether or not uh, FR Sky was going to play ball with uh, allowing OpenTX, certain things to change with OpenTX uh, in their radios. And there was just this, um, this kind of a turning that happened. And so some of the devs just said to hell with this and created EdgeTX, just forked it and um, ran with it. And it snowballed. And now it's like night and day. Um, these days, pretty much anybody that's got an op- you go buy an OpenTX radio. If you can still get one that has OpenTX like pre-installed, it, the first thing you're doing is you're going online and you're grabbing EdgeTX and flashing it, right? Because it takes like literally like six minutes max to do it, and um, you just get a huge amount of extra functionality. Like for instance, the touchscreen. Right? Uh, we sat around for nearly a year waiting for the OpenTX devs to add some lines of code in there to allow us to use a um, 480 by 320 touch on the screens because we have these nice screens and stuff. We can't do it. They wouldn't do it. I mean, their radios, um, FR Sky's radios, let me rephrase that, weren't to that point yet. So it wasn't important for them to do it, right? But the community was asking for it. And so, again, that's one of the beauties of the open source movement right people uh can participate in it and uh go along with what what whatever that particular fork is and if it just stops cutting the mustard they can move on and try something different all kinds of software gets forked all the time um and some of it fails and some of it stays and in this case edge tx is one that stayed so um it's I guess if you were talking about like from a technical and like a nerdy perspective, they both can do things like run the um, multi-protocol module that would be either built into the radio, like the Radio Master TX16S or the one like you bought that you plug into the back in the JR bay. Um, both softwares can run that. Ethos is actually a um, derivative of OpenTX. It's... Um, uh, more, I think it's closed source, if I'm not mistaken. So seeing development come to Ethos is going to take a little bit longer than it would come to OpenTX, right? Yeah. Um, so the fastest movement is going to happen in EdgeTX, and then it's going to be OpenTX, and then that Ethos is probably parallel to that. I guess it depends on how... Uh, so FR Sky kind of hedged our bets with the Ethos operating system, because I think of what happened with OpenTX, right? Because FR, FR Sky's radios relied on OpenTX's platform to do what they do. Um, and they, I think, realized that at some point they need to do something. And HTX is doing, making so many moves. So the Ethos guys are like, you know what? We need to try and stitch this up. So what you're experiencing is um, FR Sky, in my opinion, FR Sky as a manufacturer is deciding to do what I had mentioned before that other big box manufacturers had been doing and starting to kind of pretty up their UIs and more in, more make it more integrated and that kind of thing. So um, I don't know. I hope that answers your question between OpenTX and EdgeTX, the difference. Yeah, no, for sure it does. And yeah. 
you know, you mentioned the community and I wanted to touch on that as well. Um, one of the great things about these radios in, I don't want to describe them as lower price points, but they are, but they're not cheap radios. Um, the thing right. is, is it, some of the get what you pay for when it comes to transmitters is hardware related, but you very quickly leave that realm and the get what you pay for becomes ease of use, right? Yeah. So V control is a good example. It comes at a premium price, you know, $1,300 for a transmitter or whatever it is. Um, but it's one of the fastest and easiest to set up ecosystems, but it's a really narrow ecosystem. It's really heli oriented. Yes, you can get V plane receivers and run airplanes on a V control, but it, it's just not the airplane interface is not as slick as a radio designed to fly airplanes. It's just not in my experience. Um, Versus a spectrum radio or an ethos radio where there's a very clear graphical screen about a four control surface wing or six control surface wing versus V plane where, you know, macro cells and all this other levels of complexity. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling here, but what I want to get to is, is the community and the community behind open source development, whether you're talking about, you know, coding and computers or or hearing transmitters is really the fun part of this, right? Like, the community yeah. is really driving the development in a lot of ways. Um, they can try a lot of interesting things. Um, yeah. And you don't have to be a genius to take advantage of this. Like these, these guys are, are writing these Lewis scripts that you can load onto your radio that adds functionality, right? Like on my FR Sky radio, I can run a quick Lewis script and put a multi-protocol ma- uh, module on the back. And now it speaks SBUS and DSMX. So basically, you know, Futaba yeah. and... Spectrum and OMP's protocol and, you know, a million different seals. So instead of having to have the specific receiver for my brand of radio, I can basically speak a million different languages and, you know, transmit to all those things. And a lot of that came out of the community developing and and driving things they want. And I think ethos is sort of, yeah, like you say, Rob, they're really trying to pretty it up and make a more graphical interface Mm -hmm. um, to help lessen the learning curve. And then that's the trade-off, right? Like the open TX radios, that are less expensive have a higher learning curve. Yeah. But the other cool thing about the community is that they're really excited and they make a lot of content. And this is key. So my first OpenTX radio was the Radio Master Zorro, very basic OpenTX radio. But 10 minutes on YouTube and I was flying through the setup and I felt like I wasn't having any trouble at all because there are a ton of people creating great content uh, on this. Uh, so the community has been fantastic. It's interested yeah. in innovation. It's pushing the manufacturers. They're trying different things. They're figuring out different things um, and, and really keeping things flowing. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but OpenTX, EdgeTX, Ethos, they're all developing faster than the big manufacturers are in terms of adding new features and functionality. Way, way, way faster, dude. Way faster. We had um, EdgeTX was capable of running... Um, I want to, I don't want to misquote this now. Um, I think it's a thousand megahertz, um, frame rate between the radio and the receiver where previous to that, I think everybody else was doing 333 was the max or something like that. Maybe 500. Right. Um, and that was way before, I don't even know what Mikado's system runs, right? Maybe the new one's running at a thousand on the radio link. Right. But yeah, dude, it's leaps and bounds ahead of it. Like, um, cool fun fact, ELRS, for anybody in the heli world that doesn't know what that is, is going to be coming 
into people are working on that. That's another open source project. Long story short, people basically were like, you know what? I want to be able to fly my FPV drone as far as possible away from my helicopter um, or, or my, my drone um, as I can. And these things are getting like 40 kilometers radio link, right? Uh, and we're talking penetration through concrete buildings, parking garages, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to see that link quality uh, in that platform coming over to the RC Heli world soon, you know, and that's going to dovetail in along with uh, um, uh, rotor flight. That's another open source platform. That's a fiberless unit, open source fiberless unit. So um, I know I've been talking with a guy, he's uh, him and uh, somebody else are working on some pet projects. It's basically going to be an open source fiberless controller unit running free open source software um, that has a radio link that's running uh, Express All RS, which is you can go online right now to Heli Direct if you want to and buy the new radio uh, Master Ranger ELRS um, module. You just plug into the JR Bay on any radio. And uh, the pre order is the module and three receivers. Um, and you could just run it like a serial rec receiver, like you would with a Potaba radio or Potaba, or like when you run an FR Scary radio as a serial receiver um, right onto your unit. And then you've got that thousand megahertz uh frame rate um epic epic control link and the size is minuscule it's like the size of my thumbnail maybe um so yeah try try to get spectrum or or mikado or uh futaba or somebody to make that and make it that cheap 59 bucks to buy all of that so yeah i mean yeah. the pricing on receivers is less um, it feels like any of the components, the multi-protocol modules, like it's all, all really it. reasonable. Uh, and sure, and it does it's take good. a little bit of tech savviness and, you know, being willing to read a couple manuals and watch a YouTube video or two. Um, Dude, so yeah. I, I thought it was going to be hard, like jacking around with OpenTX and EdgeTX. Very quickly, I realized if I know how to drag and drop files between folders, I know how to upgrade my radio because literally that's basically all you do. You drag the firmware over to it, you turn on your radio, you touch the screen where your firmware is, and you say load firmware, and you just let it do it. And now you've upgraded it. It didn't cost you anything. You know, it was, it, and maybe I'm jaded, and I'm kind of cheap, and you guys can call me that on, you know, the listeners if they want to. But I think I'd like to look at it as I'm frugal and open-minded, right? I came into here, and then when I realized that there are manufacturers, and I get why you have to do this, but when I realized that manufacturers charge for all these upgrades and stuff, I was like, what? huh? What? Where? Why? What? Who? I could spend that money somewhere else. Why? What? Because I've never had to pay for an upgrade for any of the software that I mess with that's open source. Ever. That's the whole point, yeah. right? It's the whole point of it. So, I don't know. Dude, it's super exciting and fun. Almost as exciting, if not more exciting, than the actual using the helicopters you know from the hardware perspective i think the fastest moving thing i see right now is um sab and and they're doing a great job of doing that right um but i don't know we see development coming from other manufacturers too but when it comes to electronics and software the open source world is like a tsunami that yeah i don't know so Devin, I want to bring you into the conversation i know we were chatting before we got rolling that you actually have some fr sky transmitters uh, I do. That you and your dad have been using with your jets. Can you talk a little bit uh, about that? 
Yeah, so I we have an X10, an X10S, and an X18. Three FR Sky um, radios. The X18 is is basically the X20, just with a little bit of physical differences. They they came out at the same time, I'm pretty sure, or maybe the X20 came out a little bit later. That's a shelf Close. radio, right? Yeah, that's yeah, FR yeah. Sky that's shelf radio ethos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we originally were, when we first got into jets, we flew it on V-Control. We were flying our jets with V-Control on uh, two Neos um, dangle or um, together to give you more ports. And it was that sounds dicey, really man. hard. It, it, yeah. was, it, it wasn't yeah. that it was dicey because it was, you know... V control has a pretty good uh, a pretty good signal between the neos and the and the radio and all that is pretty good but just going through the macro cells to set up everything was the was the hard part cuz um, basically oh, everything yeah. was done through the macro cells so you had like you're doing this like kind of like manual translation for your flaps and for if you do like crow yes any of that. exactly yeah. okay and then after we did that. We took the V control. We took the V control out, and we got the X10 first, and we started it flying on FR Sky. This is probably two years ago. I don't even remember what receiver we put in it. I'm pretty sure no stabilization or anything like that. And just going raw <laughs> with your jet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no stabilization, no none of that. I don't even think they were offering anything at the time with stabilized units yet. And. It was what a world of difference. With the first jet we did, we we ran on the FR Sky OS. So it was the uh, FR Sky OS, no OpenTX yet or anything like that. Yeah. Just yeah. to get used to the radio and figure out how everything works. And then after that, we went to the OpenTX. And oh my God, what OpenTX in its heyday, what yeah. you could do with the radio was insane. So like lit it so the the answer to the question what you can do with the radio with OpenTX is basically anything you can think of that you would want to do electronically over a radio link it doesn't matter anything yeah it was it was insane the capabilities we got by going to OpenTX it, yeah and, logic switching and you know all the if then stuff um, very cool yeah so we did that and then we bought the X10s. And we did that on open as well. And now we have the X18 that's on eth uh, Ethos. And we haven't put that on a jet yet because there are some pretty big differences between setting up between OpenTX and Ethos. There's some pretty big differences. I, I don't know yeah. personally. My dad does most of the setups for the jet side and everything like that. But from what I understand, it's everything's kind of rearranged and been organized and it's trying to find everything again and figure out if yeah. they change the way it works or not. Like the way the channels and the mixing and stuff, they're canned in different areas. And so it's like, is the logic the same way or what? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we put it on, we have an AJ AS320, I'm pretty sure, uh, with a one, two, three GP in it. And we put it on that, an acrobatic airplane with very minimal, no... You know, you don't got to worry about turbine. You don't got to worry about gear or flaps. Yeah, it's just yeah. your ailerons, elevator, rudder, and throttle. Yep, yep. And, and ignition that you have to worry about. And 
Oh my god. Once we got it all figured out, it was really easy. And to even change stuff, really easy. Change settings, change, you know, yeah. any any gyro gains, because we do have stabilization from that. Any gyro gains or any just anything once we figured out is super easy. So I think the the next step is we're gonna look on to maybe possibly doing some ethos stuff in the jets because we are very happy with it. But the power is unbelievable with what you can do with all of it, really. Any of it. If you even if you buy an older radio that's still on open that you have and open TX is so powerful. But the learning curve, yeah. as as Nick said, the learning curve was very steep. It's like having a TI-85 without a manual. Exactly. Exactly. Because I know my dad sat down for a couple of weeks before even programming an airplane just to go through OpenTX and, and just find the pages that he needed. Right, right. First, you got to start with back then you had to like start with a blank model. And if you didn't use the wizard, it's just a bunch of channels. You had to name them and set the, you had to set everything manually. Right. But yeah, I don't know. That was, I think that was part of the fun of it. And plus, by the time you were done, you knew absolutely everything about your radio link from the inside and out, like more than you could if you just picked up a Spectrum radio or a Futaba radio and built a model. Yeah, you'd know where all the stuff was at. But I just felt to me, I felt like I was more, I don't know, I was more tuned into my own model after building it, you know, that way. Well, of course you feel, I, and I even feel more connected to it after messing with it because there's so many yeah. deep pages you can go into to change that specific thing you're looking for. Right, one specific right. thing and i feel way more connected and no you're right like the more you dig into it you know where everything is and, and you know it's funny we, to talk about learning curve like that's why i sold the futaba is because i couldn't i never really got over the learning curve i never really got there but it's funny something about open tx and hopefully ethos i need to dig into it more is that as complicated as it, as it can be, the layers of things you have to do, you know, starting by identifying the channels and then assigning them and, and things. It just made way more sense to me. It was way more intuitive. But, yeah. you know, my background yeah. in RC came from, you know, flying three meter thermal duration sailplanes and a lot of really complicated mixing and modes for flight and cruise, launch, and landing, and a lot of flap and crow mixes. And, and, you know, so we really dug into the radios deep. And, you know, back then... It was much harder, um, even than OpenTX, I feel like the programming was back then on a six servo wing. So yeah. um, OpenTX felt very natural and at home to me uh, in that way. In a way that Futaba wasn't. I felt like things were in menus. I didn't understand why they were there and they weren't grouped together in a way that I want. Whereas I felt like OpenTX and, and hopefully Ethos, you know, just made more sense or EdgeTX as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and huh, I think the FR Sky that. Radio will run Edge as well. Is that correct? I don't know, I may have to dig into that a little more. I haven't, I haven't messed with that personally, but going to what you said, Nick, I think one big difference, not, not to just call out Futaba here in a way, but going from looking at Futaba versus FR Sky and the community and the capability of finding like the key information you're looking for, this is exactly what I'm looking for, is way different. FR Sky, there are, there's such a big community behind them now, especially with even the open stuff. You yeah. can find almost anything that you need to do whatever you want and have it explained as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, speaking of that, so I found most of the information I've needed to make my purchasing decisions. And when I dug into OpenTX on YouTube, 
But what are some other places folks might go to learn a little more about, you know, OpenTX or where's the community hanging out? YouTube. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, YouTube. I think there's also like a wiki around or involved in the page where with you can download a lot of the a lot of the stuff for the fr sky as well i think rob don't quote me yeah, on that so but. the open tx wiki no offense and sorry if anybody is offended but it sucks it's there's not a lot going on there like i said the op, just raw open tx isn't really doing it much as much as squat ethos i'm not sure i don't i can't qualify any of that i don't know if there's a GitHub or something related to that, but I feel like that's more of a closed source thing for the radios where maybe you can go down, download various, uh, if they got like nightly updates or anything like that, if you wanted to get like a new, if they came out, if the ethos came out with some new functionality, there's probably a place where you can go download the file, but I don't know if there's a, there's like a, I don't know if there's a GitHub out there for that, but I know the HTX one is hopping. There's all kinds of stuff going on out there, you know? So you could get some info there, but I know like for me, um, when it came to the Radio Master TX-16X specifically and other um, FR Sky and those kinds of radios and then the operating systems, RC Video Reviews on uh, YouTube, that guy is, he is like, yeah, he is the guy. He is the one that knows. He talks directly with the devs. He puts out how-to videos on Basically, every one of the little key key phrases and like terms that we just threw out there about planes and jets and all of that stuff, he's got a video somewhere about how to do that with HTX or OpenTX or any of that. So if you want to know how to use the radio, go to that guy's channel and troll around in there for like an hour and you'll find what you need for sure. Nice. So one of the other interesting things I see happening with these open platforms, which is part of why I went FR Sky, and it's definitely intriguing to me because it's what drives people towards the more expensive radios, is integration, right? And it looks like there's three flybarless units now that are offering integration with OpenTX. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I don't want to dig too, diff- too deep into the specifications yet because I'm early in my journey uh, into this, but it looks like the Spirit FBL... Uh, the brain and the icon are all offering some level of integration with either OpenTX or EdgeTX. Um, yeah. And yeah. hopefully eventually with Ethos as well with the, uh, the icon, um, Apparently which is like- awesome, right? Like that's what drives people to V control is this ability to tune the fly wireless direct from the radio. Yeah. So if we now add that functionality into these open platforms, you know, it becomes harder and harder to justify spending a ton of extra money on these transmitters. Yeah, yep. They got two-way telemetry going on the the brains with the uh, uh, open slash edge TX. Yeah, if you open TX and edge TX, the the functionality like things that are going to be interoperable are almost interchangeable. Some of this newer integration stuff, it might you might see more of that showing up on edge TX first. You know what I mean? But um, like for instance, you know, if I, I haven't got a chance to mess around with it, but I'm told that I can if I switch. My radio link, I've got a FR Sky X4R here. It's a little bigger than a uh, satellite receiver is, right? But if I was to switch out one of these that has the um, the brain on it, um, like say I put in the Oxy2 or something, apparently I just run one wire over to the sat receiver input there, and I've got telemetry coming back down uh, to the radio too, you know, the RPMs, MOS, whatever I needed, you know? Nice. So it's the same the same thing you would have in a V-bar. It might, lo- might not look as pretty, you know, but... 
with OpenTX, I have a pretty girl's voice or some dude's voice or whoever I want tell me that it's time to land, you know, because you can program all that in there, you know, so. Yeah, which is awesome. I don't yeah. want to ever land on a timer again. I want to land, you know, on capacity. Yeah, uh, yeah. Moving forward. Uh, and I hope, and I'm, Rob, I'm sure you're going to continue to dig in and update folks as well. But, you know, I really hope to get some flybarless units on the FR sky down the road uh, and start to play with some of these features and figure out telemetry and integration and, you know, be able to talk about this more in the future. Um, yeah, me too. As much as V control is my home, I still, I don't know, I have a lot of fun tinkering with this stuff. It's good fun. Here, here's all I know, like just coming from the drone world and beta flight and the way telemetry works in beta flight and how it comes back and forth um, and how, uh, Edge TX and um, things like ELRS are implementing full two-way telemetry. Um, I mean, I just, uh, the things I think that uh, we'll be able to have are, are going to be endless. I, you know, I envision like a setup in rotor flight, like, okay, like right now, for instance, I don't know if the, um, if your radio running ethos can run this lowest script, I, it might be able to, but like the Yapu telemetry script um, is one from the drone world. And you can get um, basically every sensor that you can think of. And if speaking on rotor flight, right, those are run off of uh, the uh, the flybarless boards that folks use or the flight controller boards folks use in drones and stuff. But uh, the point is the software is completely rewritten to run logic for helicopters. But the beauty of it is those boards basically right out of the box for under 100 bucks you've got a board that's capable of adding gps you can add lidar if you wanted to you could add down facing sonar you could get as nerdy as you wanted to um you know i know a, a, the bul the bulk of our conversation seems to kind of is kind of centered around aerobatics and um you know smack down and 3d and, and even just sport flight and stuff like that but there's a whole other world that people could do with their helis, like like stem and helis melded together, right? Um, that you can't get off any of the current stuff that only open source is going to bring to the table, right? Because that's the only... I mean, what big company is going to want to spend a whole bunch of time and resources and marketing developing some flight controller that does all this stuff that maybe a thousand people buy, you know? But the yeah. open source world can do it for free and any number of people can do it. You know what I mean? So uh, that freaking cool. Yeah, it, it is super cool. And to just kind of catch people up on pricing, if you haven't looked into it. So the, the cheapest of the open TX radios, you know, you can get on sale for less than 200 bucks. You know, you might see them in the one eighties, you know, the first generation of the TX 16s are at 160 bucks right now. Um, the current T 16 is 200. You know, the top of the line FR Sky is just a little bit above 400, but there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in the middle. You know, the 18 channel is a little bit less. Um, you know, you can get a lot for 250 in this space versus 1300 or 800. You know, the, if you're a Spectrum person, you know, the NX10 is around 550, NX8 around 400. So, you know, they're at the top range of these open TX transmitters. So, uh, you know, and pair one of these yeah. with an icon or a brain or a spirit FBL, and you're no worse off than anybody else in the heli hobby. You know, you're not, think yes, you've spent less money, but you're not getting less features. Yeah. Think about this other aspect too. And maybe, 
you'll have to forgive me because I'm not as up on the tech specs for some of the current radios and how many of them use, like, for instance, Hall Effect gimbals, right? Um, the magnetic Hall Effect ones rather than a brush, um, a, a pot, I'm sorry, a poten just a potentiometer in there. Um, the TX-16S comes with Hall Effect gimbals for under 200 bucks. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there there's some high dollar radios that choose to put that in there as a feature, as a reason why to spend that much money. But again, like we talked about before, because it's open source and really it's a hardware contest at this point, um, you know, from a, from a hardware manufacturing perspective, to manufacture a Hall Effect gimbal isn't really that expensive. But to brand and market and manufacture and then distribute a high dollar radio, that's expensive, right? So if, if you want to have much smoother gimbals, you could still get that with, quote, low dollar radio. It's, it's low dollar just because the dollar amount that, you, that comes out of your wallet is less than another radio. That doesn't mean the quality or the, 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 the quality of the flight experience or the quality of the hardware itself isn't going to be the same or better in some cases, like the gimbals. So that's my two cents on that part. Yeah, I don't think anyone should feel like they need to spend a certain amount to get a high quality radio. You know, you, yes, you need to stick to some brand names, but, you know, Radio Master and FR Sky, uh, you know, Tyrannus, you know, these are all, you know, making good radios. Um, Devin, any last thoughts to share on uh, OpenTX, HTX type radios? Um, I, think I'll, I think a lot of people are actually, I, I kind of want to say in a way scared because it's something that has been introduced kind of recently in the hobby world. That, we're, that a lot of people aren't exactly used to. And there's a lot of thought about when FR Sky first came out that, oh, it's a cheap radio, so we can't fly that on our jets. Yeah. We can't yeah. fly that on this. It's cheap. Well, FR Sky has, to support why we fly it on our jets, has some of the best bandwidth that you can get in the RC industry. And, and signal strength between receiver and radio in the industry. Yep. When you got it set up right, that link quality is rock solid. Yeah. So the reasoning for not wanting to do it of reasons that you're get, are getting slim and few. There's, Socially constructed. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's becoming, it's coming now to per, really personal preference at this point. They're just as good as every other radio you could put on there. If not yeah, better. and I think it's like, you know, like I remember when Hyundai first came on the U.S. car market, they were looked upon as like this cheap Chinese yeah, import. Right. What is and that? like now they're everywhere, right? Like a very well-established car manufacturer. And I think there's a little bit of that elitism going on, even in our RC hobby, where people look down on these, you know, OpenTX platforms as like, oh, that's the cheap stuff, or that's that's for the drone guys. You know, the real heli guys fly this, but. Dude. You know, I think that's becoming not true anymore. I think this is a very legitimate way of entering the heli hobby, and we need to recognize that, support it, um, and pay attention to what's going on in that market. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially for the for the fact of like newcomers to the hobby. You're you're gonna are you gonna tell a newcomer that you need to have this radio, this radio, and it's gonna be two thousand bucks to get set up for that, or you're gonna tell a newcomer, well. We have a couple of guys that also 
know how to set this up and you can get in and ready to go for 700 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's way better. And I think, you know, for the, for the guys and, and gals that are flying these OpenTX, you know, HDX platforms and, and working on integration with Spirit, you know, don't be shy. Get yourselves out on YouTube, man. Like the more we share on how to do this, the more we can get beginners into the hobby at lower price points. And, and that's going to help grow the hub. Yeah, for sure. Like right now, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six helicopters running um, two, two different radio protocols and three different fly wireless controllers all on one radio. It's awesome, right? Yeah. If you control awesome, can't dude. do that. My spectrum yeah. can't do that. For sure, dude. That's it, pretty awesome. Yeah. I, don't know, I think this was a good conversation. I know this is kind of random and off the cuff. But, yeah, uh, it was fun. I, uh, I definitely learned something, Rob. I really appreciate your perspective here, as well as Devin's coming from the jet side. And uh, I hope you all learned a little more. There's definitely going to be more in this space coming up on our CHN in the future. Uh, we got some interesting episodes coming up. We're going to dig into some auto rotation uh, conversations in the near future. We got some interesting guests coming up. Um, and anyway, just want to thank all the folks for some of the feedback from our recent episodes. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, super appreciate your support on Locals. Uh, thanks again for that. Uh, Devin, if folks uh, want to get in touch with you with some questions on this subject or anything else, how do they get all of you? All right. There's two ways. You can hit me up on Facebook, Devin McClellan, and hit, shoot me a, me a message through there. Or a massage. Both is good. <laughs> massage. <laughs> massage. You, you, I get a nice massage and then I'll answer your question. Nah, no, it's okay. Just shoot me a text through there. Or you can hit me up at devin at rchnv3.com to ask your question there as well. All right. You can reach uh, Dan at dan at rchnv3.com. Scott at scott at rchnv3.com. They're sorry they couldn't join us this week. Uh, you can find me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com or on Facebook at nickwisdomrcnrob. Last but not least, how do we get a hold of you if we're trying to hunt you down? Nicholas. So, okay, if if you want to get a hold of me, um, it's going to require um, a little bit of Beastmaster style action. And um, so here's what you got to do. You got to go to your local zoo. Not one of those really big ones, but you know, every, every so often you find one of those little small like county zoos or some junk right so what you got to do is you got to go to one of those because security is a lot smaller and you got to steal yourself a cheetah and four chickens and then what you got to do is you got to ride that cheetah as fast as you can to dan's house but you're gonna have to make a stop every now and then because the cheetah's gonna have to eat because he can't run fast for a long time that's what the chickens are for and then once you get to dan's house uh with the cheetah um Oh, I forgot. You got to also, while while you're on the way, you got to stop and pick up some Tamiflu so that when you get to Dan's house, you can give that to him so he can feel better um, and then tell him what your question is. And then when I talk to him next, he'll scold me for um, some stranger letting a cheetah shit in his yard. Um, and then maybe he'll share your question with me um, or not. I'm not sure. We'll find out. But um, if you're afraid of cats or you're allergic to cat hair or you don't want to be mauled by a cheetah 
um, then you can just get on the internet instead and um, hit me up on Facebook, NextGenRCFB. Um, I'm on Instagram, NextGenRC, youtube.com slash NextGenRC. Uh, you can email me at um, rob at rchnv3.com. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Rob, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, man. I was expecting some sort of, you go into OP, OpenTX, and you assign channel three, <laughs> yeah. communication, and then you run this Lewis script. <laughs> <laughs> and then it will print out your, your message. Uh, that, uh, it'll show you that. Anyway, thanks all for listening this week. We really appreciate you. Throw us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Rob, do your thing. You know, I, I think we did kind of good without mom and dad here. I think yeah. we're still recording. I know we, we are. Didn't <laughs> the, we didn't set the studio on fire, so that's a plus. Oh.